As you all know, Sharp Football Analysis is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. Use code ANGLES30 for 30% off any products site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here, as always, by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. Two weeks down, uh, heading into a week three. We're, we're moving along. How's it going today? It's going great. You know, I think that the, the first two weeks, weekend of games have been really good. You know, we had week two kind of, you know, confirming some stuff we saw in week one, also throwing kind of a, a loophole in some of the things we saw, you know, in week one. So we, we're so early in the season. We haven't really confirmed a lot of our priors uh, to the fullest. And also there's a lot to be written about a lot of these teams. And hopefully we'll figure out some more stuff in week three. Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at it, like the the Saints, I guess, not the greatest team that's ever been put together. Uh, I, it was something we talked about uh, after that week one pod, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting where like, especially when we're trying to write the amount of content that we are and, and putting out uh, the podcast and everything where we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And then it's still just so early in the season. We've seen so little um, it just it is constantly changing, but we, uh, you know, still putting out the content. We're still going to record these podcasts to try to figure out uh, what's going on. So we are, uh, let's just, kind of get right into it and dive into week three because uh there are some you know fun games on the on the docket i think uh a little bit we've been you know lucky with mm-hmm. some of these uh primetime games which which have been nice i mean we talked about uh green bay and detroit last week uh, you know we were going to be bookending with with not a fun game and you know it didn't end up being close it was close in the beginning but then we got the the crazy aaron jones game uh we got the packers looking a little bit more like the packers so uh that is good there and we'll see if that Lions gave a fight for a half uh the Lions and Texans both uh maybe you know for being you know kind of teams that were that that maybe potentially bad record wise uh they've at least competed the first two weeks yeah they've they've (laughs) been frisky which is I think all we could ask of of teams like that I think especially with the Lions I think you can kind of see the the base of what they are are going to be building there and and what they're trying to do and it's like we've talked about with with a lot of bad teams over the past couple of years where uh the talent is not exactly there to be uh doing what they want to be doing but we can kind of get an idea of what they do want to be doing which is good stuff like i uh, i think we, we talked about it beforehand you know i a lot of the coaching staff on detroit is is quite good i think you can you know give or take Anthony Lynn is an (laughs) offensive coordinator. Um, But I think all the other, you know, pieces are, are good. And I think they, they at least know what they're doing. So I don't think it's a completely overmatched coaching staff, which is going to keep them in some games, but not necessarily bring wins. And I think that's kind of what we saw uh, from their, their first two games uh, so far. And uh I mean, they're playing Baltimore this week, so probably going to be uh, about the same thing. Uh, so I don't expect them to uh, be hanging with Baltimore for too long, even with some of what the Ravens have been doing. Um, you know, defensively haven't been you know as dominant as they have been because uh, all of those injuries. But um, you know, frisky. So that's that's all we can ask. Yeah, big, big win for the Ravens, too. We talked a lot about that game. And, hey, kudos to uh, Wink Martindale. They only blitzed Patrick Mahomes four times. Uh, Mahomes was four or four with two touchdown passes when they did blitz. But, 
huge credit to them. And that was such a big win for the Ravens, not just circumstantially because they had so many injuries, but, you know, obviously getting over the, the chiefs, you know, hump, getting one kind of knocked down against them. And they're in the, in the way that that game started, you know, uh, Lamar throws the pick six, the first drive, they're down 35 to 20 at one point. I'm thinking like, all right, there's no way they're going to answer back. And they, you know, Lamar Jackson just dominated the last two, you know, quarter and a half of that game. Uh, and it was a huge win for them. So, you know, props to the Ravens. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, it was, I, I think I, I jokingly tweeted during the games, like, so they, it, it took them having no wide receivers healthy uh, to figure out their run game against the Chiefs. Uh, and then it took them uh, having no healthy corners to figure out how to play coverage uh, yep. against the Chiefs. <laughs> so just, just how, how we thought all of that was going to be going, but yeah, it was like almost out of necessity, how they had to change the way they played. And we did talk about it. Uh, but before the game, but they, they actually did it. They, you know, the Patrick Mahomes still did, you know, Patrick Mahomes things. They didn't completely shut them down, but they weren't getting tourists, right? They, there weren't those, you know, two and three play touchdown drives that they would kind of, you know, give up sometimes. Uh, so they were able to, you know, elongate the game a little bit, keep the ball in, uh, Omar Jackson's hands. And, you know, there were some things that didn't go completely well on offense for the Ravens either, but you know, they, they figured out some good stuff. Like that, that run game is still really good. They're, they're figuring out the structure, uh, in how to do that. They're, they're mixing in a lot of those backs. They're figuring out, uh, where Lamar should be going, uh, on some of these runs. And, you know, you look at like that, that last drive or the second to last drive that they had where they, they needed to, to go down and, and ice the clock. And that was you know, heading up, leading up to that, that fourth, and one that iced the game that, that's a place where you know you're you're trying to you know run the ball and everyone's going to be handing the ball off to their backs that was an all Lamar Jackson run drive right so to ice the game it was uh, every single run was a Lamar Jackson run so they put the ball in his hands to uh, ice the game he was able to you know get those yards get that last first down you know go for that fourth and one to completely ice the game so um it's just uh, a lot of things I think went well e- even the passing game I think some of their their passing structures the the long touchdown to um uh, Marquise Brown, where he was just wide open, but that was, you know, doing some things in coverage. They shifted to empty, like right after they came out of the huddle and that changed some of the uh, defensive responsibilities and coverage. Uh, and that confused uh, the chiefs a little bit. And that's what left uh, Marquise Brown uh, wide open. And I think they were doing some more things like that throughout the game that we hadn't really seen them in the past couple of years. So I think if they're going to use that a little more and try to get a little more deceptive in that passing game, I think that opens up more for the run game too. And I think that's part of what we saw uh, Kansas City and I'm I think like as they continue to go along and eventually we'll get a you know healthy Rashad Bateman and and we'll see how you know some of the passing game does continue to evolve a little bit but uh yeah it's big win for the Ravens and um I mean they should be able to pick apart a, a Detroit secondary that doesn't really have a lot going for it right now yeah I, I mean a lot of people talk about the fourth and one call but I thought the call of the game in that circumstance was the actual, the third and seven pass before that. Cause you know, it's easy to just run on third and seven and say, we're going to punt the ball. Uh, but they, or you throw an incomplete pass, right. And like it stops the clock, but they, at third and seven, they said, no, we're trying to get the first down. Now we're not giving the ball back to the chiefs, any level, the fourth and one call got a lot of publicity because of the, you know, hardball mouth and you want to go for it. But the third and seven pass call and the completion that set it up, uh, I thought was just a huge, you know, play call and a huge, you know, execution of it. I know they didn't get the first time that play, but it set up the fourth and one, uh, cause you know, if that pass is incomplete, they're punting the football because it's, you know, fourth and seven. Uh, so th- that, that was huge. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of those things where, 
the way the Ravens play set that up. It allows uh, them to throw that pass. Uh, and even if it is short of the sticks, knowing that we're probably going to go for it on fourth down. So we don't have to get all of it. We don't have to necessarily, you know, push this ball down the field to try to, uh, you know, get eight or nine yards on this. If we get six, that's fine. And, you know, that's what they didn't. A lot of teams just don't play like that. It's, it's affording yourself uh, being able to, you know, have those two downs in, in order to, to pick that up. So I think just the way they, they play organizationally is really, I think, benefited them there too um so i think that's you know i probably talked a little too much about a, a lions game to start off but uh, i mean what would this podcast be without uh, going a little long on uh on a on a bad frisky team um <laughs> so uh i think the probably the biggest game of the week i would think uh, at least from an excitement level is going to be the kansas city again who we just talked about and the chargers um it'll be you know the First time we we see these two go at it this year. The, the this was the Justin Herbert debut game uh, last year, um, and that was you know surprisingly close. And we kind of started to see what Justin Herbert could be. And uh, now I think we're starting to see a slightly more fully formed Herbert, but a lot of things that are still there last year. And I'm I'm going to be writing about this for the site. So I think by the time you're listening to this podcast, it should be up. Uh, on the website, which uh, would be nice. Uh, I'm the person in control of that. So uh, <laughs> that's on me at this point, but hopefully that is the case. Um, but a lot of what we wanted to see from Justin Herbert was, you know, we would want to see more early down success because that third down, um, you know, success that he had last year uh, wasn't going to be sustainable. And we talked about that after week one. Uh, and it's just, it's been the same thing. Not a lot of early down success. Uh, third downs are absolutely incredible. And that's kind of how they're, they're pushing the ball uh, going forward. Uh, so I, I, again, don't think that's going to be able to um, continue throughout the season. So they have to figure out some of this early down stuff, but in the way they're doing the early down play calls, it's not the same as last year in that Anthony Lynn offense where it was, you know, run on first down, uh, a second and long where they had to kind of force it. And then, uh, you know, playing hero ball on third down They're they're throwing the ball more than expected. They have like the third heaviest, uh, pass rate on first and second down. There's just, there's something that's not completely clicking a little bit on those early down passes. And it's kind of it's somewhat in the structure, right? Some of it's a little short, uh, his a dot is way shorter on uh first and second second down right now it is 6.5 uh which is 22nd among quarterbacks on first and second down when you move to third down uh it's 9.1 right so he's pushing the ball down the field a little more i think you're seeing a little more to the outside so when you're seeing these short passes they're they're kind of uh, mike williams is the most targeted charger on first and second down and it's not really those keenan allen um throws that are you know could be going to the middle of the field like i think we have this joe lombardi offense right that was so used to you know drew Brees, and that was a michael thomas thing and you had those slants and those could move the ball you know six yards at a time on first and second down and that was fine uh, because they were so successful that way but the chargers aren't exactly doing that and it's not really those keenan allen slants that are you know going to be moving the ball so there's some disconnect there and there's still a lot of pressure um you know we were hoping uh 
this Chargers offensive line was going to be much improved. And, you know, the, the talent was there, but with Bulaga out, that there were a lot of weaknesses, especially against the Cowboys uh, in week two. So it's a lot of pressure and those are leading to some short throws. And that's kind of where some of that disconnect is. And then they're just opening up on third down and letting Justin Herbert be Justin Herbert. And that's where the success is coming. So I think if we see a little bit more of that on first and second down, uh, we, we could be seeing a, a little more explosive uh, of a, a Chargers offense. And I think that's something to watch in this game. Yeah, I mean, this is the Chargers have moved the ball fine. Like they've been really good. I mean, they're they're first in the NFL in yards per drive. They're just not finishing drives. They're they're tied with the league lead in getting drives into the red zone, but they're second to last in finishing drives at touchdowns. They've had some turnovers. They've only punted once. Uh, or they've punted twice on the season they've punted twice so far in the season that's just the the lowest the the fewest in the league uh they've had some turnovers that are not finishing drives if you want to finish drives this is the opponent to finish drives on because the chiefs are dead last and red zone conversion rate allowed last year 73 percent and to open the season the browns and ravens have converted eight of eight red zone possessions for touchdowns so far. Uh, so if the Chargers are looking to finish some drives, uh, we're going to see like the the movable force versus the, the other movable object uh, who wins, you know, in this game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they've moved the ball great. They just, they have to finish these drives. Uh, Justin Herbert's had a little bit, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I've talked about in the fantasy and a little bit of unlucky. I don't know if it's just caught unlucky, you know, kind of touchdown uh, production because the yardage has been there, but you know, he's one of seven passing inside the 10 yard line to open the season. Uh, he had the interception where Keenan Allen falls down, but he's been sacked three times inside the 10 yard line. No, the rest of the NFL has taken two sacks and on, on plays inside the 10, which is really wild. Uh, so, I mean, you're looking for them to just finish these drives. That's what they're waiting on. And, and hopefully, you know, they can finish these drives against the chiefs team that has let everyone kind of score touchdowns. The chiefs have really run into two of the best run games in the NFL, the best two run games in the NFL. So it's really kind of hard to dock them. I mean, the, the, the position change for Chris Jones is clearly highlighted as a mismatch last week in the RPO game. Uh, mm. I feel bad for him, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, cause it's Lamar and you're, you're put on, you're put in a position where just, you're not, you're not going to see that a lot over the course of the season. Uh, but it was completely highlighted in prime time that he was, he, he, he got, he got froze so many times in that game and just put on skates. Um, you know, he won't have that here. Although the Chargers might mix in a little, a little bit uh, in their offense, but yeah, I'm high on the Chargers, uh, you know, kind of making this a fun game. I'm really intrigued for the dynamic of what we talked about last week with the Cowboys when everyone kind of was all in on like the Cowboys passing game and the Cowboys being this team that's going to throw over 500 yards a week. But, you know, we talked about Brandon Steele's defense last week. I mean, they are going to play a lot of high safety. They're going to give you a lot of light boxes and they're going to encourage you to run the football. And the Cowboys had a game plan centered around running the football last week. And um, they, the way they used both Tony, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott in combination uh, really just kind of drove that offense. It, it kind of drove yeah. all those possessions. Uh, and I'm curious to see what happens now in this matchup because we know that they're going to do the same thing here, right? And, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is coming off of just a disaster of a performance uh, against the Ravens. He had the bad fumble, which, you know, obviously kind of lost them the game. We, we don't know if the field goal would have been made, uh, but it did give them, it removed the opportunity for them to attempt the game-winning field goal. Uh, but the Chiefs are going to get a lot of light boxes again here. They just are. We know it going into the game. I mean, we've seen it with Washington in week one, where Antonio Gibson only faced loaded boxes of 5% of his carries. Last week, the Cowboys only 17%, and they were having just a ton of success against the run. So they're not going to, you know, is not going to try to give up big plays to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. The other dynamic here, too, is we get to actually 
you know, for that, we could see Derwin James play against Travis Kelsey, which is something we just have not seen a lot because of the injuries that Derwin James has had over the start of his career. Um, they played just three games, you know, them being in the same division. Derwin James only played three games against the Chiefs, and he's done a really good job against Travis Kelsey in those games. Uh, two of the games, he's had three or fewer catches. So how do they utilize Derwin James in this matchup? They actually have a, a unique player that might be able to combat some of the things Travis Kelsey does. Uh, will there be something in the defensive game plan for that? as well so I mean this is game has a lot of good layers to it I do think that the Chiefs are going to acquiesce I think they will run the football a lot more here than people think coming in yeah I I would say that's probably the case too because I as much as the Chargers have still struggled a little bit in the passing game because they don't exactly have um you know the the guys to be doing some of the uh, even when they're, you know, back playing, you don't uh, have Jalen Ramsey and uh, John right. Johnson. It you gets know, a little you, different. You, yeah. You do have Derwin James, who, like you said, can do a lot of things. Uh, Sante Samuel Jr. has been really great so far. Uh, but then, you know, the other pieces you're still trying to, you know, put together and it, it, it makes it harder, especially if you're going to have, you know, Derwin James, uh, on Travis Kelsey, if they are going to do that, that kind of takes away some of what they can do in, in those run fits when they do have, are showing those light boxes uh, to have that guy, you know, if you have Derwin James in the middle of the field, you can, you know, play downhill a, a little bit. Um, you know, that, that gives you the advantage. That was, you know, the, the John Johnson role um, in that Rams uh, defense, he was able to, you know, play downhill and was able to, to fit the run um, outside of those uh, white boxes. And so if you're going to be taking that away by having Derwin James really play, you know, that, that coverage player against Travis Kelsey, that might mix up some other things inside uh, that secondary and in those run fits. So I think there could be an advantage uh, for the chiefs to run uh, a little bit here and how, you know, let's see what they, they're able to do with uh, Tyreek Hill, because, um, you know, like we've talked about plenty of times, it's, it's a pick your poison against the Chiefs, right? And the Ravens sold out for Tyreek Hill, right? Three catches for 14 yards. Uh, we just don't see that kind of, you know, Tyreek Hill performance. So uh, is this going to be a place where, you know, there's the Derwin James on Travis Kelsey. So that's going to be uh, the, the highlighted matchup. They're working on taking Kelsey away. Is Tyreek Hill just going to be you know, running wide open down the field? So uh, so, yards so in, a many, game, uh, in, in three years. Yeah, just so many interesting <laughs> dynamics here because like we said so many times, there's only so many ways you can defend the Chiefs and they just, they have a counterpunch for everything now. And, and that run game we were expecting to kind of be uh, what they concentrated on to be that new counterpunch this year that hasn't exactly worked out so far through two weeks. Uh, but it, I think it's coming. They have two good run defenses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, yeah, as I was you know, going to say, I think this is probably the, the place where we see whether that can really be established as, you know, uh, something that can, can be the counterpunch. The Chiefs aren't going to become run heavy uh, at any point, but I think they, they want right. that to be an option. Um, they want that to be a reliable option where they need it. And I think uh, potentially doing it against this Chargers front uh, could be the place where, where they start to roll out and we, we see a little bit more success there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's uh, let's stick in the uh, AFC West a little bit. So I want to talk about the Raiders because we've we kind of do this with Derek Carr every you know once in a while. Yeah, he does uh, of this. The, <laughs> of the hey, Derek Carr's throwing deep now. Like I was going to write about that in, in first and ten this week, um, 
And then I remembered like how many times over the past couple of years I've had a section in first and 10 after a Raiders game. That's like, Hey, Derek Carr is throwing deep now. Let's see if this continues. And it just doesn't. So I, I mean, we, but we've also, you know, discussed what John Gruden has done. He has a very modern offense, like the schematics of, the Raiders offense have been good over the past couple of years in the Gruneras. It's kind of everything else that hasn't really worked. So I think we're, we're seeing Carr so far through two weeks has been a little more aggressive. He's been pushing the ball downfield a little more, I think more. So he's been hitting those intermediate uh, routes that have have really been effective with the, you know the the players that the Raiders have, especially you know it, Darren Waller. Even though you know it's been a, uh, you know huge game, a lot of targets, and then not quite as many. But uh, I think that intermediate area has really been working, and then they're able to hit those deep shots when they're open. Uh, and I think that's going to be good. But what's I think really interesting about the Raiders is what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. Like that's that's what's standing out right now. And when you're going against a Miami team right now that has a, a bad offensive line and going to have Jacoby Brissett starting um, instead of Tua. Uh, they're one of the highest uh, pressure rates right now. I think Max Crosby just uh, singularly is leading the league in pressure. So they have a lot of guys who are just individually winning off the edge. Um, and they're, it, this is a pass rush that has, has not been there for the Raiders you know, since you know, like it's the Khalil Mack days, really. Um, but they have Max Crosby is doing well. Nagakwe is doing, you know, pretty well. And they have some guys who've been pushing the pocket from the interior. So I think that right there has, has really been the standout part of the Raiders. And I think that's really going to be a problem uh, if for this Miami team, because they just don't have the things that are going to be able to stop it with that offensive line. You have Jacoby Brissett now, who's, you know, been a, better deep passer than he has been a quick game guy. So if he's going to be sitting back in the pocket against this Raiders pass rush with that Miami offensive line, that could really be a problem. Yeah. I had a lot of investment in uh, DFS and the bills last week. So I was watching that bills Dolphins game, you know, definitely watching the turnstile that was Austin Jackson uh, and man, Brissett, cause Brissett's a big dude. Like, well, to start that game, Tua gets melted and he was he had he was under duress his first few drives before he, you know he gets up but because Brissett is so big he was actually able to shed some of the pressures and like make some ex- and extend some plays yep. but I mean oh my goodness he he was pressured on 60 percent of his dropbacks like think about that as an NFL quarterback uh he was hit or sacked on 25 percent which is just insane uh levels I mean you know it's basically you know Zach Wilson-esque levels that we're seeing in this we're seeing this catch up to them you know the, the Dolphins the way they've structurally built this team and this offensive line is you know a problem they kind of kicked the can on it this offseason you know obviously I'm not even just highlighting you know that they took Waddle over Sewell that they the moves that they made you know adding you know a DJ Fluker just you know saying like this is all going to work out you know uh they add Matt Skira like another guy that was one of the highest in pressure rates allowed uh as an offensive lineman last year and it's you know it was it's been a problem through two weeks for them they they get the win uh in in week one you know off of the late game turnover but they just had no shot to move the football last week uh and it's you know I don't know. It's the Raiders defense, but the Raiders, like you said, have been getting a ton of pressure. So they're going to be able to get after it here. Makes the Raiders a nice little pickup in fantasy for defense. If you're streaming defenses and you missed out on the Panthers uh, versus Davis Mills. Um, but it also has hurt the way I think the Dolphins have used Jalen Waddle a little bit, which is kind yeah. of disappointing because uh, 
Uh, we both want Jalen Waddle to be good, and we believe he can be good. But, you know, it's really kind of relegated Jalen Waddle into being like a near-the-line-of-scrimmage, you know, quick-hit passing game player uh, if you look at his depth of target because that's the only passes they can set up to throw right now. Uh, so there's no vertical component to his passing game. Maybe adding Will Fuller into the fold helps that. But like we said, it's all predicated on being able to pass protect, taking deep shots. Uh, and if they can't do that, then, you know, how do you get the ball downfield? Yeah, and now it's you know it, a really interesting dynamic with Jacoby Brissett right now. But uh, so let's just hit on to a, a little bit. Um, seventh in the league in yards per attempt from a clean pocket. Uh, so what you know when you when you were letting him do things uh, the way you expected them to be done, you know he's still doing you know quite well. Uh, and but those pockets have just been you know, collapsing. And like you said, kind of with Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, his strength has always been pushing the ball down the fields uh, a little bit. He's been one of the more accurate, you know, deep passers, even when they haven't really connected, even, you know, going back to his, his Colts days and, and the Patriots days, uh, you know, he can throw the ball down the field that just wasn't always connecting, but they were, you know, relatively accurate. So I think that's, that's the dynamic here that the push and pull they're going to have to have if they want to push the ball down the field a little more with Will Fuller, get Jalen Waddle down the field a little more, which we all want to see. He's great there. Uh, he is still that good, you know, short intermediate target who can run after the catch and just use the speed in that way, but he can you know run nice deep routes. So if, they're going to be sitting back uh, and trying to push the ball too forward, to waddle down the field, try to create those explosive plays. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure, uh, both you know, uh, actual and and metaphorically on <laughs> Jacoby Brissett uh, to get that done in the pocket because you know I'm not sure how long that pocket is going to hold up, uh, and he's going to have to connect with a lot of those plays in order for this to not be a complete disaster for that offense. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing, too, I will say, too, about uh, the Derek Carr thing is that because this goes back and then to last year, too, is that the Raiders actually have, do have the personnel to kind of kind of make this thing sticky. I mean, a lot of people like so quarterback depth of target, like it's depth of target really isn't a quarterback stat outside of a, a couple like extreme instances. Uh, and, you know, t- typically it's predicated on, you know, game plan and the receivers you have where a receiver wins is where they're going to get the football. And, you know, this Raiders team has really kind of structurally been built around speed guys now. Uh, so maybe it will be sticky. I don't know. Well, this is a good test for it because Miami has been getting home with their blitzes two weeks in. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it holds up. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the other things too is my, yeah, the, that Miami pressure has, has been working, which it has for, you know, really worked well last year it has been working well this year even though you know the uh the offense hasn't completely been able to uh, uh keep up with it and, i mean they played know, as good a defense you could and giving it a 35 to zero loss uh right. as, yeah. as, as you could hope for uh i mean the bills really i mean they they ran the ball well in that game you have a couple splash play runs but they were in josh allen's back pocket that entire game uh josh allen made a couple nice plays Diggs made a nice contested catch uh on the first passing touchdown of the game I mean, Josh Allen sheds a free blitzer, you know, throws back across the field uh, as a, you know, digs fell down and they got back up. He was actually on the ground when, when Josh Allen threw the ball, which is insane. Uh, yes. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is wild, but uh, they were, the Dolphins defense still was as frisky as it could have be in a 35 to zero point loss. If that makes any sense. <laughs> no, they, no, that makes the complete sense. Uh, yeah. Because like, Especially in, in the past event, like Josh Allen has not been 
great. And again, they, like they, they put up points, but that like, they, they really didn't have a choice, but to put up points uh, in that game, right. Just the way it was. Well, Waddle dropped up. a punt. Waddle dropped yeah. a punt that set up a touchdown and they had a fumble, uh, another turnover in their territory. I think the dolphins were over three on third downs or fourth downs in that game, set them up with some nice field goal. Uh, you know, Devin Singletary has the, the 50 yard touchdown run to open the game. But uh, yeah, it's wild. I mean, J- Josh Allen, uh, th- again, two weeks in a row now. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about the regression for the Bills that could happen. You know, just what they did. And the one thing that is sticky from last year, this year, is that once again, if you can pressure Josh Allen, he's going to do old school Josh Allen things. And sometimes they're great, like the digs play. And then sometimes they, sometimes they don't work out. Uh, but that, that Bills offense still, even for winning 35 nothing. They're not back yet either. Yeah, and I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic here where they are facing Washington, a team uh, pretty much everyone thought would be able to create pressure with that defensive line, uh, and they just haven't been able to do it so far. Right now, uh, per Sports Info Solutions, they are 21st in pressure rate. Um, and so when you have you know Chase Young, Montez Sweat, they're blitzing a little more too, and that's just not creating pressure, and that's putting uh, – you know, more on that secondary that hasn't really been able to hold up all that well. I mean, I think William Jackson has been, you know, playing okay uh, for what he's been asked to do that, you know, more man coverage uh, for him uh, than they were playing a little last year with Ronald Darby looking at those, you know, number one wide receivers, but um, it's, it hasn't gone all that well for Washington's uh, defense uh, so far, especially, you know, getting picked on in the slot a little bit. You saw Sterling Shepard just kind of have his way when he you know needed to do what he you know, wanted to do. There was that blown coverage to uh, Darius Slayton uh, that was dropped for a touchdown uh, by the Giants in the Thursday night game. So I, we're, I think we're, we're still seeing a lot of kinks that need to be worked out for this Washington defense uh, for a unit that uh, a lot of people were expecting to, you know, continue to develop they were you know a, a top five defense uh, last year and but as we know for defense you can't really count on that uh from year to year but the the pieces that everyone was really expecting uh to be good you know that the chase youngs and the and the montez sweat off the off the edges they haven't really been able to you know figure it out and really dominate anything yet yeah and you know washington too i mean we know they inherently have talent on defense but i mean they ran into one of the best quarterback schedules in the nfl in 2020 and, you know, you already opened with Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll put Daniel Jones in that category, but then you got Josh not. Allen in week three. You know, the, the quarterback schedule is a lot more daunting than it was last year. And we saw last year when they got in the playoffs and they faced a real quarterback in Tom Brady, you give up 30 points. So you got to be able to score. And they were able to score last week enough points to win. But they should be expected to give up more points. We talk about it with defense, you know, year over year. Uh, but, yeah, if they're able – are they able to get home here is going to be the story. Because that's where Josh Allen has just still early struggled early in the season. You know, pressure on 40% of his dropbacks. Uh, he's been, he's six of 18 passing against the blitz so far this season. Uh, so, I mean, that's where it's got to ramp up, you know, can, can you, you know, kind of mitigate, protect him first of all, and then can, he can improve on those types of things. A lot of people have talked like the deep ball, right. But that all is all conducive, right? Like you're going to have less deep ball efficiency. We talked just talked about the dolphins. Like when you're getting pressure, you're going to be able to complete those long passes. Uh, and that's what's happened to the bills so far. So, I mean, it all stems to me that the early season struggles for Josh Allen all comes down to pass protection and keeping him in clean pockets, because that's where he's going to win. He's a guy that's going to grip and rip, see the throw and make it. Uh, and they've got to be able to protect him better. And then like you said, Washington's got to get home a little bit more. They shouldn't have to dial up this many blitzes with that front. Like they've been, they've been so blitz happy these first two games. Like you said, these guys, guys have to start winning 
uh, one-on-one, you know, up front. Jonathan Allen's been excellent two weeks in, but uh, Montez Sweat and Chase got to get home more. Yeah, yeah, they do. And, um, you know, when you're looking at... What are your Buffalo, Taylor Heineke thoughts? Uh, eh. um, yeah, I mean, obviously not what you know, a lot of people saw, uh, in that the, the Tampa Bay playoff game, I think kind of people saw that and think like, Oh, this is this guy's step in. I think it's going to be a lot more consistent than that. If Washington fully had, um, you know, faith that Taylor Heineke could be uh, a good full-time starter, uh, they would not have gone out and, uh, signed Brian Fitzpatrick, uh, this year. So I think, you know, he's obviously going to be better than what they, had going out last year, right? Because that was just a disaster. They had players who just couldn't throw the ball past the line of scrimmage, a uh, weak low A dot. So I think it'll at least be functional, which I think if you were Washington, you were hoping for more than functional this year. Uh, and functional is not going to work if the defense also can't step up. The, the, what we were talking about with Washington is the, the offense can be fine as long as that defense was great. But if that defense is just fine, you can't get away with a fine offense either. So then they're, they're going to have to, you know, figure uh, some stuff out there. And, you know, once we, you know, see a, uh, a healthy Curtis Samuel. Uh, maybe that opens up some things that they've been struggling to do here. But I think the Washington is still trying to do structurally some good things on offense. It's just whether you know that can connect again. And it's for Washington. It, that's a frustrating place to be because it was a place where they thought they were getting themselves out of uh, from last year with the bringing in Fitzpatrick. But uh, I, I think they're they're going to be just enough good plays. But whether that's going to be able to carry them if a defense is still struggling, I think that's going to be a big question mark yeah and on the other side of the bottom in the bills defense you know they were you know kind of maligned with injuries last year they've started out excellent the, the first two games you know we, yeah that you get the the miami uh you know offensive line factor but you still have to deliver you know execute your game plan and aj espinosa was all has been it has an awesome start you know matt milano was hurt most of all last year and they missed him a lot early in the season in coverage he's been really good you know kind of start and this this bills defense has a lot more i think talent than i think give it credit for yeah, absolutely. And I, they, they've, I think, tried to structure their team now in that way. There was a while where they were, you know, building up the offense. They were trying to shuffle some things on the offensive line, bring in Stefan Diggs. That's going to help Josh Allen. And then they shifted to the defense, trying to figure out how, how can we create this pass rush? And they did that. They tried to, you know, AJ Espinosa did not have a great rookie year, but looks pretty good this year. They, they doubled up on pass rushers uh, this year uh, in the draft. And I think that that's really helping. They have guys who are, are going to be, you know, helping Jerry, he, Hughes, who, you know, now does not have to have the entire uh, onus of the pass rush on him, which is really like what it was uh, the past couple of years. So now they they have these, you know, secondary pieces uh, that are going to help. And uh, through two weeks, they are fourth in pass rush win rate, which just you know, was not the case uh, last year. And they are second in pressure rate. Uh, so they're getting there. That's making the job easier on Tredavious White. Levi Wallace has been able to step in as that second corner. Um, and, and that's really helped. So I think just all of those pieces are, are working together now in a way that they just weren't last year because they really didn't have the pieces. They were, you know, had that shutdown corner in Tredavious White. Um, you know, the safety play is always going to be really good, but they just weren't able to you know get pressure consistently especially when just rushing four and i think they can do that now and if they can continue to do that i think that's really going to open up some other things that they can do on defense and help them out a lot 
So as we move on, uh, what what other games are, are you? Uh, well, there's well there is one uh, a pretty an NFC game that that seems pretty high on the docket this week. Uh, you know, little two and zero battle. Uh, Rams Tampa Bay seems seems like it might be a decent game. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know? it, it, it might be okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Another um, great four o'clock. We got some good four o'clock games again this week. You know, last week it was the the schedule was really backloaded with some real fun four o'clock games. And uh, you know, not not Denver uh, Jets this week, but we do have uh, you know Seattle Minnesota Tampa Bay Rams are some are some good four p.m. games here. Yeah, it's not not too bad. Um, so. Tampa Bay is interesting because um, they're just kind of, you know, chugging along. There's, there's not really a lot of wrong moves they're making, right? Brady wasn't overly impressive um, in, in the game last week, but when they get to the red zone, they are uh, passing more. They are just finding so many ways to get, you know, the, the corners of the end zone open uh, for these guys, the, the Gronk touchdowns uh, off play action, getting him into the flat. Uh, they're even connecting on like fades to, to Mike Evans. They're getting uh, you know Chris Godwin in motion and then running a corner to the opposite side. Like they're figuring out ways to get these guys open in the condensed area of the field. I think that that's a huge step up from what they were doing last year. And they're you know, still doing all of those things they were able to do figure out a, in the second half of the year uh, last year. So they're able to just kind of, they have so many options, right? And I think that's, you know, one of the things that's going on. We kind of talk about the Chiefs where you have to pick your poison there, but, you know, they're running like a five, six deep, even with uh, Antonio Brown, he's, he's going to be out. But when you still have, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and then, you know, Rob Gronkowski is turning back the clock into, you know, Rob Gronkowski, uh, the way like we, we used to know him, like he looks so much better now than he did in, um, his last year in uh, New England when he was you know, basically like a sixth offensive lineman for, you know, so many uh, of his snaps, but uh, he was loose. He's getting open in, in the red zone. He's, he's that big threat where like they need him the most. Um, and, and that's really helping out. So like they, I think there's, there's still some kinks they, they can work out. Uh, but when they need to uh, be, you know, hitting those big plays and, and the plays that matter inside the red zone right now, they are completely just rocking on all cylinders. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, is uh, they've been really aggressive on early downs, throwing the ball and they've listen, they faced two opponents that are going to, if you're going to want to wing it around, but they're going to let you wing it around. And the Cowboys and Falcons, uh, the Cowboys had some really for like, like really good turnover luck. The first two games that probably isn't going to hold up, but they've still been pretty bad on a per play basis, but the bucks are second in the NFL in first down passing rate. Uh, you know, after last year, they were at the bottom of the league. Remember during the Super Bowl, Warren was giving out money to people every, for every first down run, uh, <laughs> you know, that the bucks had in the Super Bowl. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're second in the NFL and first down passing rate. They're, they're really taking advantage of swerving into them being, a passing team it's me curious to see how much the loss of Antonio Brown on the field you know kind of if it pulls them back or not I mean you know they did have Scotty Miller in that role last year who was a productive player given opportunities but he's also not Antonio Brown uh, and, and Antonio Brown was such a big part of this matchup last year he led the team with 13 targets when they played uh, the Rams last year so this was also Brady's worst game uh, last year, pretty pretty much by all accounts, except for the opener. I mean, he had his lowest completion rate, his lowest yards for pass attempt uh, when they faced the Rams last year. I think it was a Sunday night game, if I'm not wrong. I might be wrong on that. Um, but, you know, Raheem Morris has taken over now as a defensive coordinator for Brandon Staley. They've done a little bit of different things than what Brandon Staley did last year. They're basically playing... I really love this role that Jalen Ramsey's in. We saw him in it a little bit towards the end of last year, 
but he's basically just like a full field defender now, almost like a, he's almost like a, like a sub linebacker in a way. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it's, he's, they're really using him as the right. Cause you, you have these good shadow corners that have come over through the course of history in the NFL. And what happens is they either play a side or they play a receiver and you can kind of game plan around that. Right. We, we used to see the Packers do this with Richard Sherman a lot when they would face the, they would just throw their, their terrible third receiver at Richard Sherman's side of the field and just negate, you know, that they're like, fine, we're just going to throw everywhere over here. But Richard Sherman got run around Jared Boykin all game. And uh, we're going to pepper Jordy Nelson over here on this side of the field. Um, but you really like the way the Rams are using Ramsey, like he's kind of just all over. He, he's blitzing. He can play slot coverage. He can play the run. And like you said, fit those run fits um, to where it looks like it's not, it's, it's not a guy in the box, but you know, he can play the run. Um, and in this matchup last year, he wasn't in that role yet. Um, he played in the slot, just five snaps when these teams played last year. Uh, he's already played 48 slot coverage snaps. Uh, no other Rams defender is born in 17 uh, uh, defensive back. So I really like this role in that he's in, see how he can kind of combat, you know, the loss. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see how it fits, right? Cause you know, losing Antonio Brown, takes another chess piece off the board uh, because Scotty Miller is just not as good as Antonio Brown. And it also kind of makes you have to, how do we scheme now Chris Godwin around where Jalen Ramsey is going to be operating in the, in the middle of the field? Because um, because if Ramsey can kind of take that away, and, you know, then you really only have to worry about Mike Evans. So it's kind of an interesting matchup on a, on a couple of levels here for the Tampa Bay offense. I would expect Tampa Bay offense to look a little bit more reined in than it did the first two games uh, like it has. I, I expect them to be a little more, uh, neutral in terms of just not dropping back to throw it around uh, just based on the loss of Antonio Brown in this defensive matchup. Yeah. And in, in pass coverage, the, the Rams just have uh, this real interesting split right now where they've you know, been you know, really good. The, the end result has been good. They're fifth in EPA uh, per pass allowed, but they're 26th in the rate of plays that produce positive EPA for the opposing offense. So that is a, a huge gap. So they've been able to, you know, get those, either those, those big plays or like, you know, the third down, they've been really good in, in the red zone. Um, you know, Carson Wentz being Carson Wentz, uh, you know, can play uh, a part in that uh, when you're throwing Andy uh, Dalton. <laughs> yeah. Andy Dalton being Andy Dalton uh, can play uh, a part in that also. Um, so, you know, the the end result has been good, but kind of the down to down, there have been teams that have been able to, you know, move the ball on them. And that's, you know, not a sustainable way to be playing defense. So I, there's, there's some give and take that needs to be had there. Now on the other side of the ball, it's going to be you know, real interesting to see, you know, we saw what the Cowboys did uh, against the Buccaneers where they were just like, we're, we're just not going to run. Like, do you see that defensive front? Like we're, we're not going to do that. So I, I want to see if that's, you know, the kind of um, the plan the Rams have going into this. Uh, I think in previous years with the Rams, they probably thought they would have had to run the ball because they weren't going to trust Jared Goff to drop back, you know, 50 times in a game. But I think they do trust Matthew Stafford to do that. Um, so I think they, they will probably mix in the run game a little more uh, so they can, you know, have some of those, you know, the play action looks and some of those, you know, looks that they set up, you know, from some of those, you know, run schemes that they're so good at setting up a lot of that, that wide zone stuff. But um, I think this is going to be a very heavy Matthew Stafford game. And this mm -hmm. is the kind of game that you, you know, trade Matthew for Matthew Stafford for, um, right? So you have that quarterback that you can 
trust to drop back, you know, 40, 50 times if he does need to, because you just know uh, every running play you're going to have against this defensive line is probably going to be a negative play and is not going to help move the offense forward. So I would expect the Rams to kind of uh, attack this like the Cowboys did uh, in that opening game where they they just know it, it's not worth trying to establish the run at, at any point because, um, you know, the... Uh, the, the Buccaneers are just going to be so good at stopping it and they're going to be overmatched up front. I think when you can have, you know, a, a Cooper cup who has been so good and they've done such a great job at getting him open in, in so many areas uh, when you can get him in the slot where I think Tampa Bay has been uh, a little susceptible uh, in, in the passing game. I think you can have uh, some stuff like that, that, that can really open up. And I think if the Rams are going to, uh, you know, hang in this game, I think they, they really need to rely on that area and, and not mess around with, with a lot of the, the run game stuff, even though they've you know been so good at it, they can design it quite well. Uh, but I think this really has to be a Matthew Stafford game in order for this to be close. Yeah, and that's what we saw McVay do in this matchup last year. And I know he he had a little illness and was out, but I'm sure he's he's got a thumbprint on this game plan. Uh, and you know, you, the, we have the Daryl Henderson injury kind of factoring into things here. He had the same injury that Cam Akers had, who ended up missing two games. So I'd be surprised if he ends up playing. But last year when these two teams played. Rams running backs had just 16 carries. They ran for 40 yards. He let Jared Goff drop back 51 times in that game. So, I mean, if he did, if he let Jared Goff and the game plan was uh, around that, you know, kind of being so pass heavy, like I don't see any reason to rein in, you know, Matthew Stafford and Matthew Stafford's had just 59 dropbacks through the season so far because of the game scripts they've been in yep. uh, the two teams that have faced the Buccaneers so far have dropped back to pass 62 times and 48 times. Uh, so we might see Matthew Stafford push his season total of dropbacks in this game. Uh, I believe that to be the case. Uh, they've got nice personnel. I think that matches up well. Sean Murphy bunting still going to be out. So Ross Cockrell has really played well on the back end. Um, I like, uh, you know, I think this is a good sneaky spot for the ghost of TA, the touchdown betting dart. I think Van Jefferson is a sneaky dart here. He's been on the field for every, snap uh so far in the passing game uh just about 85 percent 100 percent last week so i think he's kind of a sneaky play uh to get a touchdown dart for your long shot touchdown bets um but yeah i think the rams like you said i think you nailed on the head i think they are going to drop back and they're going to throw it a lot in this game yeah and i think this is going to be a real interesting mcveigh game to you know get to, to see where he is with matthew stafford right because i think we, we kind of saw that um they had the uh, that that third down um, you know, jet sweep uh, that they ran oh, uh, yeah. against the Colts yeah. that completely and then after the game Sean McVay was like yeah I hated that call but like I, th- I think that was kind of like that was a third down call they had to make last year right where they you know didn't completely trust the quarterback to be making the throw in that area so they had to kind of you know scheme around uh what they wanted to do and try to you know create an area and I don't think they have to do that anymore uh and I think McVay might have you know got caught up in in what he would have done uh previously so I if you're going to trust Matthew Stafford here I think again this this is the week uh, to do that and I think if uh, we might see uh, some more things open up. And I, through the first two weeks, we've seen how the passing game can really open up with Matthew Stafford. There's just plays that were not available to the Rams uh, over the past the couple of years because of the quarterback's limitations. And we know like you can scheme open Jared Goff and have a fine offense, but there's just there's plays down the field and throws uh, 
into certain areas off certain designs that just uh, were not available to the Rams. So I think that we're just progressively going to see that offense continue to open up and, and McVay, I think, get uh, a little, you know, more um, in tune with what actually is available to him and, and what this offense can be going forward. And I think it it's we're, we're going to see all of it, I think, thrown out here uh, in this Tampa Bay game. Just a, a quick question. How many points are the Cardinals going to put up on Jacksonville? <laughs> All of them, man. I mean, listen, we, we've, we have talked to, we, we've been doing this show for a year and me and you have been doing working together for two years now. We've talked a lot about Kyler Murray uh, over the, his first two seasons and Cliff Kingsbury and, you know, how Kyler still has this another kind of dimension he can still get to uh, as a, as a thrower. And, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has done a really good job through two weeks of one accessing that a little bit. And then two, just they've got the best personnel around him that they've had now. It's not just because you remember this point last year, they were just spamming, uh, you know, quick hitting throws and ISO to DeAndre Hopkins. They would go three by one. And if, if, if DeAndre Hopkins had single coverage, they were just going to jam a target in DeAndre Hopkins. That was the offense, the Cardinals passing game to start last season. Now we were getting contributions from Rondell Moore, a little bit of AJ Green. We saw Christian Kirk in week one. We saw Max Williams last week get dialed in, uh, was for seven targets. He didn't have more than three targets in, in, uh, since he's been with the Cardinals. Uh, so we're getting contributions from the ancillary assets now that are elevating Kyler, uh, who already, you know, kind of uh, is a guy that ha- we knew had this ability, but just hadn't gotten there yet, right? It was just wasn't a marriage of, you know, everything coming together, scheme, surrounding personnel, and his own actual play. Uh, and we've kind of got that right now. And, you know, he, he, they faced two defenses that we believe are going to be picked on through the past uh, all season. He's getting a third uh, this week. But I think the signs are really encouraging for the Cardinals, a team that I was a little higher on than, than most coming into this year when we did the, the draft show. Uh, and, you know, granted, the schedule's played out well, but I really am intrigued by, you know, what they've done through two weeks. Uh, and what this could mean for Kyler, who remember, you know, through halfway through the season last year was in the MVP conversation. Uh, so we're going to see, you know, him kind of be the the leader for probably a little bit here for uh, the open of this season. Yeah, like there's there's still some, you know, structural things in the Arizona offense that we would hope. Uh, you know, would improve a little bit some of the the passing concepts that I think Cliff is still just kind of hanging on to. Well, the horizontal uh, from, rate is going to horizontal rate. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's still there, but I think uh, it's they're letting Kyler now be Kyler, and Kyler to go make a play is like the best play in uh, in the Arizona playbook. But I think they're they're opening that up uh, a little more where they. The Kyler go make a play can, is something that could happen on first down instead of, you know, like third and 17. And obviously, you know, like third and 17 is still a place where, you know, Kyler can do Kyler things. And like that, oh, I got that. Uh, the throw against the zero blitz was just absolutely insane uh, to throw up the, the way um, he did. And moving back the arm strength, like that just shows you like what this type of quarterback is capable of but they are also they're opening up you know more things uh especially inside the red zone i've wrote about this in in first and 10 this week that kyler uh red zone touchdown run like in my head kyler murray has scored like 95 touchdowns off of uh a quarterback draw from empty in the red zone and before last week he had never done that it was his first quarterback draw rushing touchdown from empty inside the red zone. Um, so they're opening up some more things for empty. Uh, he had a touchdown throw uh, from empty uh, also. So they're, they're 
opening up a little more and creating some more space uh, for him there. Like that, that quarterback run game was so designed off of, uh, you know, reads with the backs and misdirection and stuff. But I think if you can spread uh, the field a little more and have Kyler, um, you know, create space in the middle of the field that opens things up for the pass game and the quarterback run game. So I think they're doing things like that uh, a little better. So I think just uh, progressively piece by piece, we're seeing some things added to the offense. And then when you just have the Kyler who can, you know, just beat Kyler and do just these incredible things that we've seen uh, the past couple of weeks. Like uh, I think this offense really has uh, a high ceiling, even if there are some things that we don't like, uh, but I think some things we don't like is better than a lot of things that we don't like, which is kind of what this offense had going uh, the past the two seasons. So, uh, you know, the, the baby steps and I guess, I mean, there's just nothing on this Jacksonville defense is, is going to scare you away from thinking like some of these big plays are, are not on the horizon uh, because they just, they've been able to, you know, get some pressure, but there's nothing on the back end that that's making any of that pressure worthwhile. And there's nothing they've shown offensively that, I mean, you talk about a, a, another <sighs> offense that just, I mean, we really just have Trevor Lawrence throwing, you know, 50, 50 balls. That's like been the, the offense uh, for the Jaguars through two weeks. It's, you know, they, they come out and they look hot the first drive, actually nice in structure drive against the Broncos. You know, Lawrence is five of seven, 73 yards, throws a touchdown to Marvin Jones. Looks like we got something right. He throws for 45 yards the rest of the game, and he's taking just all these, you know, uncatchable on, un, you know, just no free completions. They, they, this offense through two weeks has really been a disaster. Herb's uh, body language already and all these press conferences looks like he is so over everything. Uh, you know, you don't want to read into stuff like that, but it is, you know, it's just been a disaster of a start for the Jaguars, especially offensively, because we knew the defense was going to be bad. But when you, we say, we look at the offense and we say, hey, you've got Trevor Lawrence, we've got DJ Shark, we've got Marvin Jones, we got LaVisca Chenault, we thought we'd have Travis Etienne, but we've got James Robinson to fall back on, right? Like, you know, they've got pieces that, that, that they have some talent, but this, the structure of this offense through two weeks has just been an absolute disaster. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not fun. Um, yeah. And that's, if the Jaguars offense was going to be bad, you could still hope it was going to, you know, do some fun things that we would see like some creative concept and they just you know, mm-hmm. haven't been there. Um, you know, you kind of thought that, the, the, in the best case scenario, they would do some things that would, you know, help, um, you know, in Trevor Lawrence, you know, where are the QB and, runs on this, on this team? Yeah. Yeah. We could, you know, use a little bit more. I think like we've, we've seen Trevor Lawrence bail out bad scheme before. Um, and it's just, that's just hasn't been able to be the case. Cause he's just been put in these situations where like they're, they're completely unwinnable and uh, uh, it's it, really frustrating. And uh hope that it's going to turn around, but I'm just, I'm not really sure if uh, the pieces in place know what they're doing right now and, and know what they got into. But even when you look at it, like the Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer, uh, whatever you want to think of them as offensive coordinators in their past, you know, they've been able to, you know, scheme up some, you know, a decent enough offenses uh, that it could help a quarterback. So, you know, hopefully some things open up there. Uh, but yeah, right now it's just really been, been tough to watch all around for Jacksonville. Any, anything out the door here? What do we got? Uh, Packers look like the Packers. Uh, shocking. Uh, you know, kind of what that is. I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you make of the, the 49ers? How much are you buying into what we've seen from the 49ers so far? 
their start. I guess they're because we, we know the Packers are kind of going to be around at the end. But the 49ers team's 2-0. and They kind of, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo did not play good in the first half of that game. Uh, they're, they still have all these, you know, kind of banged up DBs. They're f- home favorites in this game against Green Bay, uh, which I find pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, yeah. W- w- what do we think about this Sunday night game on the way out here? Yeah, and it's just uh, the 49ers are, are kind of doing what we, I think, expect the 49ers to do. I think a lot of how they're scheming around Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo's performance shows you why they traded up uh, for uh, the third overall pick and Trey Lance, um, because it's just, again, it's it, what Jimmy Garoppolo has been. These short passes that are going to open up yards after the catch, they're great at scheming those things open. Uh, so that's how the offense has been able to move. Um, you know, the, the defense, I think, is, is still getting its the bearings a little bit, and it's, you know, there's is a lot of you know injuries, but I think the the guys they have are playing well. I think the scheme is still you know fairly well designed. Uh, so they got that going. I, they haven't had a test like Devonte Adams yet, and although you know the the Packers haven't completely you know taken uh, Devontae Adams uh, out on out on the highway to uh, to open up the engines. Uh, he's uh, even in you know the the game against uh, Detroit. He had you know a, a couple of nice plays, but you know that was really the the horizontal Aaron Jones uh, game here. Um, so I think that's going to be a big test for this defense and, and we'll see, but again, this is a Packers defense that just can't really do anything. Um, it, this was the one you know, sack. Yeah. So we, far you were supposed to see, you know, some of, you know, the Ram stuff that, you know, those, those light boxes, uh, but they don't have, you know, anyone who who's fitting the run behind the linebackers. It's kind of just kind of like w- what we saw Um you know, in previous iterations of, of the Packers defense where uh, they're running light boxes, but they are just running light boxes and there's no run fit behind it. Um, and so it, it's kind of wide open so, there. So, you know, uh, if it, I'm not sure if it matters, you know, who is healthy for the 49ers at running back, I think they're going to be able to, to scheme up some, uh, some nice runs uh, against this defense because the defensive line just hasn't really been able to uh, hold up the, the, the second, uh, level in the linebackers uh, have been basically non-existent. I think there's, you know, uh, the sooner Eric Soaks takes over for Kevin King, the better in that secondary. Uh, so I think there there are still places where the 49ers are going to be able to exploit what the Packers are doing on defense because they haven't really figured out, you know, how to put all those pieces together yet. So I think that's kind of, if you're leaning towards San Francisco, that's what you're hanging your hat on. And, you know, we've, we've seen Kyle Shanahan do that before. Uh, this would not be the first time he ran down the the Packers throats and I'm not sure the Packers have anything to stop that. So um, as long as they have that, I think that's probably what's going to keep this game close. Yeah. We don't know who the 49ers are going to have to trot out at running back uh, on Sunday night with the way practice has gone early in this week after last week, but who knows? I mean, Kyle Shanahan against this Packers defense could have Jack Patrick uh, turning in. They still got carry on Johnson. I think on the practice knows? squad, they, I think they signed Chris Thompson too uh, yesterday. Uh, so, so uh, a nice uh, gaggle blast in the past as uh, they figure out if, you know, Elijah Mitchell or Trey Sermon's going to be on the field. We know Jamichael Hasty's already out. Um, and then just real quick, too, we talked about the 49ers. They're, you know, they haven't really played a team that I think that could take advantage of their secondary issues right now, and this might be the game for it. But uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, one, one in the positive end week one for game planning and then one extremely in the negative uh, for week two. I mean, the, the Eagles game plan, they made Jalen Hurts play the way Jalen Hurts played the last yeah. four games of last year. And it was really disappointing after a promising week one start. 
uh, for Nick Sirianni. They, 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 their game plan last week was terrible. They should just dump it in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And then they're coming in, <laughs> uh, you know, into a Monday night game against uh, the Cowboys, who again have been able to create pressure. We talked about uh, Mika Parsons potentially moving to, uh, you know, you were on that last and- week, early in the week, and then everyone kind of came back later. And uh, he played good. He was great when he went he played- up against uh, whoever who who played for Bulaga. I forget the name. He was awful, uh, but. Uh, yeah. He when he ran, when he rushed against uh, Rashawn Slater, Rashawn Slater ate him up. But uh, that right tackle for the Chargers, he did not have a day last week. Right, and you know, <laughs> probably going to be whether you're going against Milata or Wayne Johnson. I think the, both of those are, are going to be much better options. But if the Cowboys can create pressure a little bit, I think we might see you know, Jalen Hurts get the ball out of uh, his hands uh, a little quicker uh, than he did uh, in oh, last week's game, and, and maybe they can you know have uh, some. Uh, some plays that are, are better designed in, in the short and intermediate area than than throwing deep bombs. Uh, except uh, unless it's the deep bomb to Quez Watkins, then uh, then we're going to do that. But again, man, you follow that up with uh, the, the the knockoff <laughs> Philly special that was on on a fourth down. That was just oh, it was it was rough. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we we have a we have a hit and miss from from Nick Sirianni so far. Yeah, absolutely. That could, yeah, yeah, that Monday night game is going to be you know, obviously an important game too for the NFC East. Um, yeah, but we, I guess we're, we're, we're up against the clock here. But yeah, there's so many so many good games. So again, it's going to be an exciting week three. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, we get the, the Justin Fields debut, which <sighs> we didn't hit at all. Um, bears I mean, though, man. I mean, Bears. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad a... for Justin Fields because you know we know we talk about his his process and he's a guy that wants to make the big play and they had a chance to make some big plays. Obviously, Al Robinson secures that thirty five yard touchdown, but this offensive line paired with the way Justin Fields wants to to process, it might not be the greatest initial start, but at least he can move. Uh, you know, we saw him run a lot. He ran seven times last week uh, and he ran a lot in the preseason. But yeah, this Bears offensive line man is is not the greatest. Yeah, it uh, it certainly uh, it certainly is not. But I mean, we haven't seen the Browns defense look like it could either yet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That hasn't completely you know come together. But I think we'll just hit fields quickly. Um, you know, he's only had eleven attempts from a clean pocket, but he is eleventh in uh, on target percentage per Sports Info Solutions. But unfortunately, he is thirty uh, third in completion percentage with just five point five yards per attempt. So you know, a lot of that comes back from you know, some of uh, the receivers uh, that throw to Allen Robinson gets completed. Uh, we're it's completely different with the numbers in, in such a small sample. So I right. think they're, you know, we'll, we'll see the promise there. Hopefully they, they help him out a little bit, right. It, use a little bit of play action, get those pockets moving uh, a little bit. You can get him on the move. I think play to his strengths uh, a little more. So uh, we've seen Matt Nagy do it with Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, right. Matt Nagy's a guy we dunk on a lot, but we know that he, uh, he got this job for a reason, you know, when he, he he's and he's, and he's coached under really good, uh, play designers as well and people that could adjust. So we, we met Nagy's not a complete donkey to the level we do give him the that that badge of honor sometimes or dishonor. But uh, so we oh, this is a big test for me for Matt Nagy. What can you do? Because offensive line is not good, but you have this creative offensive asset now. What can you do with him? <laughs> 
Yeah, not expecting him to pass, but uh, I am uh, <laughs> expecting uh, Justin Fields to bail him out. And, you know, it, it might be a little rough because, you know, Fields might have that pressure to kind of, you know, push the ball a little more than than he uh, would want to and try to make some plays because a lot of things around him are going to be failing. Uh, so Andy Dalton uh, threw one pass uh, longer than 15 yards so far this season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, hold on. I, I, Andy Dalton's um, average throw depth from a clean pocket this year with 39 attempts was 4.4 yards past the line of scrimmage <laughs> from a clean pocket. So that's, but, oh hey, but hey, Andy's the starter when he's healthy. It's, that seems like a good spot to close it down. <laughs> All right. So uh, you can uh, follow all Rich's work, uh, the worksheet uh, up every week. So much information there. Again, if you are uh, doing anything fantasy football related uh, and you are not subscribed to read the worksheet, I'm not sure what you're doing. Uh, you can find all of uh, his content on sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can follow Rich on Twitter at Ward Reeves. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.